Hello and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Warren Bradley. So Warren is the founder and head of elite performance at Hytro, a blood flow restriction company. Previous to that he's worked in elite sport, supporting hundreds of elite athletes including Olympians, international rugby players and Premier League footballers. In addition he's also completed his PhD and has published over a dozen research papers and book chapters on the field of exercise physiology and performance nutrition. So without further ado, it's time to welcome Warren onto the show. So Warren, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you very much for your time. So can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Sure, no problem. Um, so my name is uh, Warren Bradley. I spent just over a decade working in professional sports as a performance nutritionist. Um, so I worked with initially with Munster Rugby, spent a couple of years over there full-time nutrition over in Ireland, which was a, an amazing job, an amazing role. I then moved on to England Rugby and England Rugby Sevens. I was there for five seasons, um, did a bit of consultancy in Rugby League and then moved on to football. So I went to the Premier League and the Championship. So I've spread my wings quite far and wide in different sports, uh, providing nutritional services. Um, And simultaneously, I did or completed a PhD in sports physiology and nutrition. And that was back in 2017. And just to fast forward to where we are today. um, So I'd seen a technique used in clubs called blood flow restriction training, which we'll obviously go into a lot more detail in, in a minute. And Essentially, I saw a gap in the market to bring um, a much more practical and safer product to the market to allow it to be scaled. So I conceived of the idea of integrating BFR within sportswear. I got a patent for that in the UK, uh, pending worldwide, created a company Hydro of my co-founders. And that's where we are today, selling blood flow restriction wearables to uh, professional sports teams. Absolutely fantastic. And obviously, blood flow restriction um is is fairly new compared to uh, some physiology which has been around for 50 plus years so in terms of blood flow restriction like what what does that actually mean because it's not just occluding all the blood from from all of your muscles and uh, and letting your limbs fall off right <laughs> hopefully not no <laughs> that's the plan at least though, yeah. yeah that's definitely not in the program um I mean, interestingly, it, it's actually been around for nearly 60 years. So really? Although, my, my mistake, yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, I've, yeah uh, I'm, um, I'm, I'm not up to date with the, the history. Yeah, I mean, the first research paper, oof, don't quote me on it, it was in the 60s, it could have been 61 or something like that, but it was, it was many, many years ago on, on blood flow restriction training. It's only really come to fruition in sports and a bit more mainstream in the past 10 to 15 um as i said i started my career just over well about 11 years ago and it was used quite religiously then by a lot of clubs um but it's used specifically for rehabilitation post-injury and post-surgery um and again i'll come i'll come to that in a second and i'll just explain how it works a little bit so it gives you an insight into why we use it so how it works is by applying a very strong circumferential pressure around the most proximal point of your limb so the very highest point of the limb closest to the body whether that's arms or legs by applying a really, really strong pressure there, it allows oxygenated blood to flow into the limb. And then the limb will use the oxygen for glycolysis, you know, smash it together with some glucose, create ATP, create energy. And then what happens is it's like putting a plug in a sink. So the blood will go in, but the deoxygenated blood will then not come back out very well. It's, re- it's partially restricted and that's in the veins. 
So it doesn't restrict the arterial flow, which is the oxygenated blood going in, but it restricts the return flow of venous blood flow, which is deoxygenated. So you get this net pooling effect where that muscle fills with blood. And because it's deoxygenated, you cause hypoxia, which is basically low oxygen availability in that muscle, which is really, really stressful for the muscle. And it's something we actually try to achieve in, in exercise modalities anyway to create adaptations. What we're doing here is we're artificially simulating it. So we're doing it without the body actually having to exercise. So that's like the precursor to any kind of BFR training. And then you can go off onto a few different tangents. So it depends what your output or outcome or what you're trying to achieve is. So if you're trying to improve size and strength, the hypertrophy, for example, you'll do protocol X. If you're trying to improve endurance in that muscle, you'll do protocol Y. And if you're trying to accelerate your recovery, you'll do a different protocol again. But until kind of recent years, it's really been kind of pigeonholed in the rehab space for hypertrophy. And again, the reason for that is it's very, very quick to, um, it's very good at offsetting muscle losses and strength losses during the primary stages of, you know, post-surgery or injury, where you typically get a lot of atrophy. So it's used then to offset those losses, but then also it's used to rapidly um, improve muscle function. So you can improve muscle size and strength very quickly without having to load the joints. And because of that, it's a really potent rehab tool because usually you can't, you know, you can't squat hundred kilos when you're rehabbing, but you can squat body weight when you start to load there. So if you apply BFR on top of that, create the stress and squat on top of it with body weight, you're going to create a hypertrophic response similar to lifting heavy loads in that muscle without having to load it. So you can see the benefits for rehab there are quite, quite, quite massive, really, because you can get a hypertrophic stimulus without loading the structures. And then in terms of um, recovery as well, right? So that's, that's kind of like a, the precursor to a performance gain. So obviously more muscle mass, uh, potentially yeah. then uh, more, more force production. Um, but in a recovery perspective, how, how does that then look? Because, it, yeah, it can't, it, it can't be as simple as you get bigger muscles so you recover better, right? <laughs> no, not at all. Um, I'm just going to rewind one second and explain kind of why we created the products we created, because what we've done is made recovery accessible. It just wasn't, you couldn't do recovery with BFR before. So essentially what happened was I saw it used in all these clubs for rehab and it was really impressive. You know, these lads were getting back from injury so quick. Uh, versus you know not using bfr so being a bit of a geek and writing research myself at the time i took a look at, took a look at the research took a deep dive and lo and behold there was thousands and thousands of research papers proving the efficacy of this technique so i've said to the snc staff and the physios and the, and the medics like why are we not using this for performance enhancement in healthy athletes why are we just using it for rehab why are we not using this for recovery in healthy athletes why are we just using it for rehab and the answer to that was because of the tools that are currently available on the market and the tools that are currently available are really complex and difficult to use. And you have to supervise someone using them because they're independent of the body. They're a cuff that you have to apply in the right position. If you don't put it on in the right position, it's actually quite dangerous. You can cause ischemic nerve damage and, and other, um, other issues. So it has to be proximal on the limb. That's non-negotiable. So you supervise them. So the problem we had was we had a technique that was really effective for many, many things, but we didn't have the tools available to make it practical so that people could do it quickly, simply and safely also without supervision. So that's why I conceived of the idea of um, integrating BFR within sportswear so that it's always in the correct location. It's always proximal on your limb 
And it's the first BFR device in the world to be proven safe in the scientific literature to use unsupervised, which is crucial for performance, uh, performance athletes, because, you know, if you have a squad of 25 athletes trying to recover, you can't watch all of them and, and set them up with BFR. First of all, it costs you, you know, tens of thousands of pounds to do that with existing devices. But, um, but also it's just it's completely impractical. That's why it's never been done. So I'll go into the recovery kind of the science of the recovery of BFR in a second, but that's why this product was created so that we could scale the use of BFR, make it accessible for people to use in many other ways, not just the, the three or four athletes who may be rehabilitating in a squad of 40. We're talking about the other 37. You know, we want to help them improve their performance. So that, that was the pre kind of requisite to the creation of Hytro. But in terms of how it actually works for recovery, it's, it's, really, it's really quite cool and actually very simple. So again, by applying a strong pressure to the, to the upper arms or upper legs, typically the legs will be better because it's a bigger muscle, so you get a, a stronger effect. What's going to happen in that muscle, as I said before, is you're causing hypoxia, you're causing stress. The muscles are screaming out for oxygen. So what happens is they start to adapt. And one of the adaptive processes is um, it triggers the mTOR pathway, which essentially um, it regulates muscle protein synthesis, which is the central regulator for muscle function. Um, I'm sure the listeners will all know all about that. So because we're upregulating muscle protein synthesis, which is obviously um, a hormone that helps the body recover and obviously helps muscles recover and, and stitch back together, them hormones will then transfer around the whole body once you unstrap. So it flushes out of the limb and transfers around the body. So it's called a systemic effect. So hypothetically, if you have you know, muscle soreness in your delt, but you strap in your legs, those hormones are in the blood. They're going to transfer everywhere. If you have a crack in your little finger, it's going to help to recover that because it's going to be bathed in these, um, in these hormones and this nutrient-rich blood. So that's element number one. That's the, that's the kind of hormonal process that buildup of hormones and that flush. But secondly, actually more importantly, is the flush itself. So if you think about um, the amount of pressure that's going to build up in that limb, it's sufficient to cause that limb to swell, to start to get veiny, to start to discolor. So you actually, the limb, if you're a fair-skinned, will start to go blotchy and purple and red because of the deoxygenated blood that's pooling in there. So what happens then when you create all that pressure and you release it, it's just going to flush. It's just going to remove all the waste materials. We're talking free radicals, bone chips, cartilage chips, inflammation. It removes it at source uh, from the joints. So that would be in the lower body, the ankle, knee and hip, for example, and from the muscles too. So obviously for team sports that are lower body dominant, you can see the effectiveness there of flushing out the waste. Uh, it just puts you in a better state to start your recovery. Um, the body normally takes as well around 72 hours to uptake all that waste and excrete it. But obviously when you do this with BFR, it removes it at source. So it's actually removed rapidly. So it's an acute effect. And thirdly, the, uh, the last really impressive thing it does is something called reperfusion. So perfusion is basically just put like osmosis, pushing kind of uh, blood into cells or into tissues. So this is reperfusion because the blood has been locked, locked in. And then we're getting fresh blood when we unstrap driven into the muscle, but also driven into the tendons. Now, tendons and ligaments are notoriously, they don't really have uh, capillary networks that have very limited blood flow. But when you, when you do BFR, it perfuses the tissue. So it drives it in. So it forces um, nutrient-rich blood and fresh blood into those tissues. So what you get here, again, is you're forcing the structures to actually recover. 
So it's actually extremely impressive for recovery. And the best thing of all is you don't need to do anything. You can sit back and allow this to happen because you're basically harnessing, harnessing your own body. You're just strapping it in, allowing the blood to pool, causing stress, unstrapping and flushing. And the protocol, again, really simple. You just do three rounds of five minutes strapped in and then two minutes rest in between where we get the reperfusion in between. And we know that three rounds from some research being conducted by Scott, Dr. Scott Cocking over in Aspatar, we found that three rounds uh, seems to be optimal. Anything beyond that doesn't seem to have a significant additional effect. Anything below that still great, but three seems to be optimal. So in terms of then applying this into a practical setting, right? You've, you've just mentioned a, a super easy protocol. Uh, pretty much everyone can, can understand that. Um, so you're talking about, let's say you're, you're a, a team sport player, maybe rugby, you've just gone out, you've done 90 minutes to two hours on the pitch pre-season, been absolutely gassed. Um, you come in and you're like, okay, you know what? Like, we've got another one of these tomorrow and uh, I need to make sure that I'm recovering a little bit better than I possibly could have done if I was just eating well and sleeping well. So at that point, they're like, right, cool. Um, shower, get in there, have some food and then strap myself in potentially whilst they're even eating, right? So they can just immediately 20 minutes um, or maybe 25 minutes total time, uh, get that recovery session in and then go on with their day. Absolutely. I mean, one of the biggest benefits of, of this type of product is the ability to seamlessly integrate it in w- within whatever you're doing. So for example, uh, that was a really good example when you're having food. Um, so like after games, we have athletes, you know, they're, they're having food or protein shakes in the changing rooms, or they're having a team meeting. It's, it's not dead time because they're obviously doing something already. But the point is, you can seamlessly do this without having to mess around going to an ice bath or going to a cryo, which adds another, you know, 25, 30 minutes to your day. This can be done at the same time as whatever you're already doing. So what we're finding is really big uptake and buy-in from players because it's not actually impacting whatever else they're doing. So another example would be in the hotel room after a game, they can just watch TV or play on the phones while doing the recovery protocol or after an away game on the coach. Now that is wasted time. That is they're then bathing in, you know, free radicals and metabolites that's actually damaging the body, we can remove that, you know, with BFR, they can actually sit there and remove that and enhance recovery while they're on a four hour coach trip. They can do it. We've had some quite funny ones, actually. We've got a, we've got an athlete who washes up while wearing the upper body calm. <laughs> rugby player, so the upper body needs a lot of recovery too and the flushing in the shoulders. And he has particularly bad shoulder joints anyway, but um, he'll do, he, every night he has to do the washing up. So what better time to do his recovery? You know, he's got 15 minutes of washing up. Let's just strap in and do BFR at the same time. Now, we might have smashed a plate by now. I don't don't know. The point being, he can do it, you know, he can do it while he's doing something else. We have a couple of guys who have um, children, really small, like children. So they'll go and push the pram outside while strapped in with the legs. Um, So that, again, is just doubling up on your time. I personally, and I know a lot of the guys do this as well, and girls who've been using our products, they, they have dogs. They go and walk the dog. So again, it's something that you can seamlessly integrate in something you're already doing. But the great thing is it, it's robustly proven mechanistically. So we know what's going to happen in that muscle. We know it's going to benefit from this. So yeah, the the, the opportunities are really endless. And uh, you mentioned, obviously, earlier, there's uh, there are some potential risks as well if you, if you do it incorrectly. So um, before anyone starts kind of like tying a string around their arms to, to get this effect without forking out a few pounds um what what are the risks associated with doing this incorrectly 
So just to underline it initially, there's no additional contraindications versus typical exercise. So the big question always is blood clots because it seems you know intuitive that you're stopping the blood flow and cause a blood clot, right? Absolutely not. There's extensive research done on this. And in fact, it actually helps with endothelial cell function. So it actually helps your vascular system. Um, but if you have an existing blood clot or if you have a family of blood clots, a family history of it, then you're at risk of BFR, but also of exercise. Because basically when your blood flow starts to increase, you're going to move that blood clot. So anyway, what I'm saying is there's no additional um, issues or contraindications versus normal exercise. In terms of, sorry, to answer your question, the problem would be if you put on the, um, the, the BFR strap or whatever device you're using in the wrong position and you apply it very tightly at the, at the pressure, say you do it over the muscle belly of the bicep, firstly, you won't actually be able to exercise it because you can't contract a muscle that's been pinned in the middle. Um, so you, you'll very quickly realize it's in the wrong place. But secondly, you can cause ischemic nerve damage if it's on for too long and it's on very um very strong the pressure is very high and in the wrong position now we have spoken to surgeons about this though about length of time you could use bfr for so obviously they use tourniquets for surgery and they have them on for eight to ten hours sometimes longer if they're doing you know surgery on, a, on an elbow or something they'll, they'll cut the blood flow at the approximately on the limb there's absolutely no danger of doing that obviously we don't recommend doing bfr for 10 hours at a time <laughs> but we know we know it's safe we know it's absolutely safe to to fully occlude that limb for you know a good few hours now please don't do that that is not an advocacy to do that however bfr is really really safe it's robustly proven in the literature so you mentioned as well earlier um hypertrophy so we've, we've gone through like a recovery protocol um sure. when when you want to use this to make your muscles grow um what kind of training could an athlete be doing with blood flow restriction to grow their biceps for example sure so first thing to know is bfr doesn't just affect the occluded muscle so intuitively again you would think if you're occluding the arm it would be biceps triceps forearms right but what actually happens is uh, there's, there's a really good study on a bench press actually with BFR and let's just use a bench press. It's a great example. So say you're on the bench, you're doing the typical protocol, which is a very, very lightweight, about 20 to 30% of your normal one RM when you're doing BFR. What will happen is the muscles will, be, will become hypoxic in that limb. So both arms will become hypoxic. And because you're lifting light, you're typically using your type one muscle fibers. There's obviously a crossover of fibers, but the majority will be endurance fibers. But because there's low oxygen availability, they, they can't contract optimally because they need oxygen to create ATP. That's just how endurance fibers work. So what happens is the muscles forcibly recruit the, uh, the fast twitch fibers as well. So now you're getting a, a beneficial effect in all of your muscles in the tricep because they've fatigued, right? However, what also happens is they fatigue quickly and the pecs or the, the, you know, the chest muscle takes more of the load. So say you've only got 30 kilos on a bar and normally it'd be really, really easy. With BFR, it becomes extremely difficult for your, for your arms in particular. So your chest takes the load. And because of that, you increase the muscle fiber recruitment in your pecs. That's something that only really someone with a really experienced training age can do, you know, who's really experienced contracting the muscles and thinking about what they're doing. If you've only got a few years under your belt, you're not able to do that. But with BFR, it does it for you. It forces you to recruit all your fibers. So what you get is you get a training effect in any muscle that you train with BFR. Um, 
So that would be your delts, your, you know, your lats, your pec, anything in the upper body and your glutes in the lower body, which wouldn't actually be occluded. Um, so that was the first one. Sorry, what was the question? I went on a tangent <laughs> No, mate, not at all, not at all. Uh, just, uh, just how you can implement that. So you went through, for example, um, low, low, um, like relative uh, weight. So for example, yes, yeah, yeah, you're 20 to 30% or whatever, um, yeah. which is fantastic. But what kind, what kind of rep range are you then looking at? Is it is it three to five? Are you looking at high rep ranges because it's then obviously a, a lower weight? Sure, sure. So in the research, there's a few different protocols, but the one we typically use is a 75 rep protocol. So you'd be strapped in or locked in with BFR throughout this. It only takes about four to five minutes. Four to five, not 45. <laughs> I was going to um, say, that's, that's, uh, that's some slow yeah. eccentric contractions, mate. Yeah, that's some slow contractions. Um <laughs> So essentially, you you will do four sets. You'll split it out into four. The first one we call the primer set, and that is 30 repetitions. So it should be relatively easy, but what we're trying to achieve here is getting the sink full of water and putting the plug in. So we're swelling that limb and creating that hypoxic environment. Once you've done your 30 reps, you take a 30-second rest. Now, it actually gets pretty hairy at this point. Even in your rest periods, your arms are throbbing and swelling because of all the blood that's in there. So often you find that the rest periods are actually more difficult than the training periods. Um, But then what you'll do is you'll do three working sets of 15 reps, nice, slow and steady. Um, If you can't get 15, that's fine. Just do max repetitions. But we're we're looking to achieve three sets of 15 and that's your working sets. You take 30 seconds rest between each of those. But um, yeah, again, you've got to expect it to be quite, the, the feelings to be quite intense. It's like, you know, when you do a drop set at the end of a session, and you, your skin's ripping and you feel just so pumped. It's like that, but for the whole four and a half minutes. So you're actually putting your muscles under significant stress for the duration, as opposed to like 20 seconds of a drop set. And that is where the beauty of BFR lies. It allows you to lift very light weights, create a really potent hypertrophic stimulus in that muscle in a very short period of time, uh, basically multiplying the effectiveness of exercise. So whatever exercise you choose, you're going to augment that muscle physiology. You're going, to, you're going to create adaptations. So what we recommend you do is you have your base of your strength training, your power training, whatever session you're doing already, and you use this as a finisher because it's so quick. You can pick you know, two or three exercises if you want, and you can have them done in 10 to 15 minutes. That's not a problem. Um, and this, this is how we typically use it in clubs. So they'll do the normal power session or strength session, and at the end, if they're wearing the shorts, They'll do some body weight split squats for five minutes. And that's all they will do. And what it's going to do is it's going to increase your muscle protein synthesis. It's going to upregulate that. Um, it's going to stimulate all of the muscle fibers or more of the muscle fibers in those limbs. So you get a better training effect. And therefore, the net balance is you're going to actually get greater adaptations from that session. So you get better quicker. And a really important thing to note with BFR is because it doesn't cause any significant muscle damage or muscle tears it it swells the cells instead of tearing the cells because of the obviously the the swelling from the blood so therefore you get all of the hormonal response you get the muscle fiber contractions but you don't get the damage so what you typically find is once you become accustomed to it you have zero doms and it actually reduces doms from other sessions as well and that's why we use it for recovery too because it reduces muscle soreness but you have to expect a bit of, well, quite a bit of soreness after the first couple of sessions because it's a completely novel stimulus for the muscle. Even if you're an Olympic standard uh, lifter, it's a new stimulus for the muscle because it's swelling rather than tearing. So expect soreness. 
So I think that's, that's probably very good to, to put in there, right? Like uh, you get fantastic results, but don't do this the day before a game where you've got to perform on a Saturday and you're there getting a nice pump for the cameras on a, on a Friday. Um, sorry, no, I think I must have articulated that poorly. So this is something we actually advocate definitely prior to a game the day before. Um, I'm saying the yeah. first couple of times you do it. Uh, for, so the, for, the, for the very first time, then make yes. sure that you're a little bit sensible about how, yeah, okay. okay exactly, because okay. it's a novel stimulus. Anything novel, it's going to take a while to become accustomed to. Even if you go for a run after not being for a year, you know, you're going to get serious soreness from that. Um, but with BFR, because it doesn't cause muscle tears, and there's no significant um, CNS fatigue. You can actually do this on the day of a game if you really wanted to. There's no fatiguing element, uh, as in BFR, like passively or something. So we have clubs that do that. They go for a walk prior to a game with BFR applied. Okay, uh, super interesting. And I'm, I'm getting a nice reminder from, uh, from our Zoom at the moment that we've got just a couple of minutes left. So before we get kicked out and have to finish the podcast in a weird way, um, in terms of amateur athletes, so you're talking um, not professionals, uh, maybe even younger athletes as well. Is, is this still appropriate for them? So, for example, a 16-year-old, um, do they need to be doing this? Or is this something that, like, is, is just for the pros? It's a really good question. So just in my practice, I've always adhered to the rules of no one under 18 for as a nutritionist for supplements because, not for safety, but because of educational purposes, we want them to get the foundations built first, which I just think is, is prudent to do in sports um, in general. However, there is significant benefits to be had for anyone who wishes to use it. So there are cases where we've allowed clubs or suggested clubs to use it with, say, an academy player who needs to play first team football or first team rugby. And he's not big enough. He's not strong enough or powerful enough and the need to prepare him and the need to prepare his joints. So we will use BFR with them because there's a specific requirement for them to do that. Um, this is also used in children's hospitals all across the US. I think there's five, uh, five children's hospitals that use it religiously for muscle wasting and just for you know, performance enhancement. So it's very safe to use in younger persons, absolutely. But my, my kind of rule of thumb is if you're under 18, I would prefer you to get the education blocks in place, get your strength training sorted first. But there is definitely benefit to be had for anyone who wishes to use it. Absolutely fantastic. So Warren, massive thanks for your time and effort today. I really appreciate it. It's been a super interesting podcast. So thank you very much. And uh, yeah, hopefully look forward to uh, speaking to you again soon. No, thank you very much for having me on, Mark. Thank you. Awesome. Cheers. And just, just before you do leave, uh, where can people find out more information about uh, the products that you have? Sure, you can head uh, to the Instagram, which is at hytro underscore. Or you can go to the website, which is www.hytro.com. And we actually have an elite sports section of the website where you can see some of our elite sports partners, professional football and rugby clubs using our products and talking about the benefits that they've seen. Absolutely fantastic. Warren, massive thanks for your time. It's been a pleasure and I look forward to speaking soon. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Cheers, buddy. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks to Warren for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really appreciate it. and I'm sure you do at home too. Before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of our Coach Academy. Now, the Coach Academy is a series of lectures broken down into bite-sized chunks. So if you've enjoyed today's podcast and you want to find out more great ways to increase your sporting performance, you can get into the Coach Academy completely for free using the link in the show notes in just a few seconds' time. And of course, if you have enjoyed today's podcast, it'd be fantastic if you can give us a like and a share on social media. And of course, it'd be fantastic if you could recommend the podcast to a colleague, an athlete, or even a friend. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks for me. I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport, and I'll speak to you next week.